BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, well, guys, this is nice. Earlier tonight, the Bidens hosted the president of South Korea and his wife for a state dinner at the White House. Yeah, Biden wanted to meet the, the most powerful people in South Korea, but BTS was busy. So, Wow. Hmm. Are, the, are the writers on uh, vacation? There might be a writer's strike in Hollywood soon, I hear. Because generally, I, I like Jimmy Fallon and a lot of the jokes that we play, but I just feel like this week there's been a lot of, really? Yeah. 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 Mike Lyons later this hour, see what's going on in Ukraine as we decided, I guess we'll give you the tanks now instead of next year. And Germany said the same thing. And is the spring offensive about to start? And what would that look like? So stay tuned for that. I'm not anti-electric car. Um, I uh, My son hates the idea and I get where he's coming from. I like the roar of a V8. I just like, I just like everything about it. But I also recognize that, you know, the writing's on the wall and electric cars are probably the future. Well, and there's some super fun aspects of electric cars, too, oh, yeah. starting with their rocket ship fast. Yeah, I drive the world's fastest car. I mean, there's there's no appeal in that. Um, uh, I raced a guy the other day in a Shelby Mustang. I shouldn't be racing people. What? I'm too old to be racing people. I've raced you, a McLaren. He made that up for the purpose of entertainment, by the way, <laughs> if the authorities are listening. Right. Well, what cars have you raced in your imagination? Uh, McLaren. Uh, which is close to my car, but not as fast. 
The Shelby GT Mustang, which is a very fast car, but still, come on, um, compared to electric cars. Uh, it's, it's an interesting aspect of them. They do have a tremendous downside, though. As I once uh, pointed out, my son and I took a long trip in one and decided we're never doing this again. Because even with the Tesla superchargers spread around the way they are, it's still just a pain in the ass. You, you have to charge too often. You have to sit there too long. And, and, and when you get low, you're in a super panic because how many miles to the next oh. charger as opposed to there's a gas station everywhere and it takes you one minute to fill your tank and you're good to go for three to four hundred miles, depending on your tank. I mean, so it's a long way from ready to go. But that aside, just the what it does in the environment and the materials involved in the cars and everything like that hasn't gotten enough attention. Newsweek has an article out today that's pretty interesting in it uh, about it being written off the fact that there are now seven states that have officially banned gasoline cars at whatever year mark. Gavin Newsom kicked it off in California, and then six states have followed since by the year whatever, no more gas-powered cars. And as Newsweek points out, they have the advantage, well, I'll just read it. Uh, By 2035 is a key caveat for California and many other states. Politicians like Moore, the governor of Maryland, I think, and Newsom, get to bask in the virtue of saving the world from CO2 while avoiding the practical problems and trade-offs of such a ban because they'll be gone by the time the year gets here. And everybody's saying, wait, we can't do this. It's not going to work. You will have already gotten all the good juice out of this by then. And Newsweek points out that basic economics teaches that everything comes with trade-offs, absolutely everything. It's just the history of the world. 80% of the world's energy still comes from fossil fuels. 80%. And that number ain't going to change much anytime soon. But there are trade-offs with that. Everybody knows that. Fossil fuels have pros and cons. But so do wind and solar, for example, have benefits. But they also have all kinds of adverse impacts. The reality is it requires a lot more energy to produce EVs, electric vehicles, than gasoline cars, which means they produce a lot more CO2 in the production phase. Just making the car before you ever even get to the whole, where are we going to get the electricity to run it? How many pounds of CO2 does it take to create a single Tesla battery? German researchers asked this question a few years ago, and the answer was 30,000 pounds. Well, if you're like me, that number doesn't mean anything to you. A few years ago, this will explain it, a few years ago, Volvo raised eyebrows at a climate summit when it conceded that its C40 recharge, that's their electric car, needed to be driven 70,000 miles before it would have a lower carbon impact than a gasoline-powered version of their car. Wow. So you had to get to 70,000 miles before you got to break even on the manufacturing of the car before you get to the whole, where's the electricity coming from that's running the dang thing? This reminds me of the story you brought us the other day that it costs, what, two and a half cents to make a penny? Yeah. What are, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, two and a half cents to make a penny and ten cents to make a nickel. What are we doing here is a very good question. It costs a gas car and a half to make an electric car in terms of the environment. What are we doing here? Shifting from petrol cars to EVs will not reduce... CO2 emissions nearly as much as many believe. In fact, a recent Wall Street Journal analysis found that shifting all personal vehicles in the U.S. from gas to electric power will reduce global CO2 emissions by 0.18%. So about half. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, do you know where nickel and copper for EVs come from or how much lithium and cobalt are used in a single battery? 
asks Newsweek. It takes a tremendous amount of mining to harvest these elements, and the process is hard on the environment. You have to mine somewhere on Earth 500,000 pounds of minerals and rock to make one battery, one physicist recently told John Stossel. Well, and I'm sure I'm stealing your thunder, but how much uh, fossil fuel does it take to do all that mining? Right. Yeah, that's the point they're making. Yeah. Um, Where do we get all these natural resources? Well, there's a concerted effort to not get them here. It's far too hard on the environment. So manufacturers rely on Chile, Argentina, Bolivia. That's the lithium triangle. Of course, you knew that. Sure. For lithium, even though the U.S. holds what is quite possibly one of the largest lithium deposits in the world, but for various environmental reasons, that would make the uh, those of you who, uh, the, the crowd out there that shows you their toes by wearing sandals, would make them unhappy if we actually mine for that stuff in our country. So we get it from other countries where they do all kinds of horrible things to the earth and use all kinds of uh, methods that aren't good for the earth to get the stuff out. That lithium deposit uh, discovered by Kurt Cobain, oddly enough. It's a little rock and roll joke for you there. I know. <laughs> You get it? Anyway, it's a big song for that band. I, I thought that alone was pretty fascinating. You had to drive a car 70,000 miles just to break even on the manufacture of it. I'm going to tell you exactly how government works. It's like three sentences. Short sentences. Short, declarative, Hemingway-esque sentences. Unlike this rambling. <laughs> After a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security, as you're doing your spring cleaning, take a second to look around. All of the stuff you have that you worked so hard to get, and the people, and perhaps animals, you love are there in your home. Protect them with the best security system around. Simply Safe Home Security, even though it's much more expensive than traditional systems. Wait! No, it's not at all. So the cameras, the sensors, we're talking about eliminating crime or floods or all kinds of threats and all this different sort of stuff. 24-7 monitoring, about a dollar a day. And no contract. That's how confident Simply Safe is in their product. They're not going to try to lock you into a two-year contract and say, hey, we got another sucker signed up for two years. Wait till they figure out this thing's too complicated to use. You don't have that with Simply Safe. And in an emergency, the uh, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use FastProtect technology only from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police dispatch. It's better, it's different, it's less expensive. Customize the perfect system for your home in seconds at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off your order with interactive monitoring. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, so here's how government works. You identify a legitimate problem, or you make one up. You propose a solution to that problem, and then you send a tremendous amount of money out into the hinterlands to, quote-unquote, solve the problem. Now, whether the problem is real or whether your solution is going to solve the problem is practically immaterial. You just do it with taxpayer monies, and you buy power and loyalty and support in a variety of ways, and you secure power that way. I'm becoming less convinced that democracies can work. I hear you. There's no good... It could be the sophistication of communication these days and the Internet have made it impossible, which is the opposite of what the Internet pioneers thought was going to happen. 
There's no good alternative, obviously, but you need to be able to get away from the, um, you know, I'm for green energy and Republicans are for fossil fuels, so I'm just going to ignore all this stuff about electric cars. Or the other side of it. Um, uh, hippies like electric cars, so I'm going to be against them. And, you know, you have some authoritarians who say, um, we got to look at this reasonably. Fossil fuels, it can't last forever. We need to switch to something else. How much will it cost to make an electric car? Is there any way to do it any cheaper? Blah, 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 blah. But you can't have those conversations. It's just impossible. Or, or say something as complex and subtle as, yeah, we're moving in that direction. Technology's not quite ready. We're going to keep working on it. No, that that what I just uttered is way too complex for American politics. Yeah, and I don't actually think for the obvious reasons because uh, a well, a wise and benevolent king is the best form of government, but you can't count on that. That's the problem. But uh, we we can't we do we don't we don't have any conversations, real conversations about freaking anything. Right, right. You know, the idea of fascism is that. The, the problems that are facing the nation, the outside threat, the threat from within, whatever, are so serious and so threatening, we need to mm, impose a version of martial law, in essence. We can't have a open democracy at this point because the enemies within and without will, will uh, kill us, ruin us. Um, so we need to take controls, temporary controls, and um, and the Constitution's going to be uh, partially suspended for a while, because again, the threat is so serious, and the the allure of some form of fascism. What I just saw something on TV. I'll, I'll wait to finish, and then I'll tell you what I saw. <laughs> the the allure of fascism, like you know, the example everybody cites, uh, Germany in the nineteen thirties was that uh, virtually uh, everything Hitler said, except for the stuff about the Jews, was true in terms of the struggles the German people were were, uh, undergoing at the time. Um, Now, uh, he went crazy with stoking imaginary grievances and, and historical untruths and stuff like that. But you can only have fascism succeed in times of great strife. And people are looking for a solution and are feeling like, Things are out of control, which three quarters of Americans think right now. Right. And that democracy isn't working anymore. Mm. Yeah, I can see the clock ah. settle down in there. Ah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm just thinking out loud. That's troubling. Uh, so they got the headline on ABC. I now understand what they're talking about. When I first looked at it, I thought, how is this your headline on, on the bottom of the thing? It says battling the high cost of egg freezing. <laughs> But they oh, mean they, oh. they mean women's eggs. I thought yes. I thought it would tie it into the you know the high cost, high price of eggs. Are people freezing their eggs at a lower price because they know we're going to be ex- more expensive next month or whatever? I've never heard of that. <laughs> Egg sickles, kids. It's a hot day. <laughs> um, uh, Mike Lyons a little bit later and a bunch of good stuff. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
the all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We knew we had to be in school. We just wanted to be safe. Randy Weingarten begging lawmakers to believe the second largest teachers union in the country was not trying to keep schools closed during the pandemic, but getting heated responses from House Oversight Republicans. People like you need to admit that you're just a political activist. That's uh, Aisha Hosni's report on special report with Brett Bear last night. I tell you what, that Randy Weingarten, who called her the most dangerous person in America? Mm, that's right. Uh, well, I've called her the most evil person in America. She's good at being evil. I mean, she's filed down her Satan's horns under her hairdo, so they're they're invisible. But uh, she, who with iron fists was keeping the kids out of school and making all sorts of crazy demands that had nothing to do with COVID, um, and much of the money that flowed to schools had nothing, the COVID stuff never happened. Um, she's now going with, listen, I live in New York City. I heard the ambulances taking the dying around. I was terrified. We were all terrified. And I'm sure, you know, there were plenty of people were terrified during COVID. Yeah. How about you get away from your emotions and start looking at actual statistics, though, and what was going on in Europe and various states that were opening the schools up and not having any problems? Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. And it's a short segment, so unfortunately we don't have time, but uh, they had a doctor testifying just ripped her, you know, about uh, uh, to sh close the schools, keep them closed, and show no remorse now is unconscionable, which I agree. I agree with. Go ahead and roll on with the report. 
Her testimony comes as the Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic investigates potential political interference by the American Federation of Teachers at the CDC after language suggested by the union wound up in the CDC's school reopening guidance in early of 2021. Guidance critics blame for keeping schools closed longer. Do you remember how many edits that you suggested? We suggested concepts, sir. Do you know how many edits were included? One. One. Did the AFT push for a trigger to open schools rather than the clear push to have a trigger to close schools? Yes, I did, sir. She's skillful. I will absolutely give her that. Well, she flat out stated yesterday, I was working every day from February on to open schools. Okay, whatever. So I found this little nugget interesting. The last time PolitiFact did a fact check on things she says was 2013. So uh, <laughs> 10 years since they decided to take a look at any statements from her and whether or not they can verify them. That's hilarious. The whole fact check idea. Is there anybody out there who's not hip to this? It's the opposite of a fact check. It's a, an opinion factory. Worst thing that has happened, I think, in uh, in modern nation's history, in my opinion, was school, closing down the schools the way, the way did, we did, and nobody paying a price for it. It's it's such a huge and egregious sin. Even like the New York Times had an article about you know we need to come to terms with this, but nobody nobody has in a meaningful way. And I've heard Republicans and Democrats say the same thing: elections are about the future, not about the past. Which is a great way to avoid accountability, by the way. I need to start incorporating that into my day-to-day life. Honey, this conversation ought to be about the future, not the past. You sold my car for golf club money. Honey, again, you with the past. Let's look to the future. God, it's unbelievable. But, you know, the achievement gap, the damage that's done to kids is monumental. The the social-emotional damage, monumental. All the suicides... Those kids aren't going to come back if Randy Weingarten apologizes. It's sickening in the lack of accountability. Well, I'm sorry. I went off on my depressing, angry screed. I apologize. This is why I don't get invited to parties. If you missed an hour of the show, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. We're going to talk Ukraine next. Interesting development. Armstrong and Getty. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This was the first call between the two leaders since the war started. Xi pressing China's peace plan, even though it doesn't actually call for a Russian withdrawal, and saying it'll send an envoy to Ukraine, also warning against any nuclear escalation. The US has warned China not to send lethal aid to Russia, of course. Today, the administration, though, welcoming the call, but saying there should be no pressure on Ukraine to agree to a peace plan until it's ready. And I think while this call is a positive development, I think it's unlikely to lead to any immediate diplomatic breakthrough. So why did she and Zelensky talk yesterday? What's that all mean? So that's the kind of international intrigue slash politics of the whole Ukraine war right now on a more direct, uh, directly affecting the battles the NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg yesterday announced that NATO allies and partner countries have delivered more than 98% of the combat vehicles promised to Ukraine during Russia's invasion um, and the war. 1,550 armored vehicles, 230 tanks and other equipment. Ukraine's allies have sent vast amounts of ammunition and also trained and equipped more than nine new Ukrainian brigades, he said yesterday. And then the announcement out of our government that we're giving them the tanks like now depending on which report you read, it's days or weeks, but not a year from now or two years from now, like had originally been reported. I don't know what's going on with that either. Listen, welcoming Mike Lyons, military analyst for a number of networks, a member of the United States Armed Forces all over the globe. Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. So are we given the tanks now or whenever they get there? Is it going to make a difference? Does this mean the counteroffensive is coming? Yeah, no, I, I'm not sure what all these logistics are still lining up. I, some of the numbers there are misleading. The, the, some of the tanks that went to Ukraine are the, the T-72s, these older former Soviet bloc tanks that came from NATO countries now that are that were formerly in the, the Soviet Union that 
gave up their equipment. So those are really not difference makers when, when it comes to the battlefield. So the battlefield tanks that we've promised to them are about 100 um, of Leopard 2s, Challenger 2s, and M1 Abrams tanks. And we've only identified what those tanks are right now. We'll be lucky to get them there until September. Now, th- th- those are the difference maker tanks. Those are the ones that can impact the battlefield, but uh, they're not there yet. So I'm not quite sure what uh, what some of those press conferences are talking about. Well, th- there's some reason that the NATO Secretary General came out and made that announcement yesterday. I don't know if he was feeling political pressure or, or again, does this have anything to do with the supposed coming up counteroffensive? Well, so we're, we're running out of kind of time for a counteroffensive to start on, on some level because of the, the amount of logistics it's still going to take in order to you know, plan, plan this correctly. And, and if Ukraine is smart, they, they, they know that um, for them to go on the counteroffensive, they're going to have to have three times the number of troops, a, a lot more main battle tanks of these kinds of tanks in order to be successful. Now, they might be having some kind of um, deception plan where we continue to see this heavy fighting in in the east, however, the, the real jewel of this whole thing remains Crimea, and any kind of way to threaten that does put more military pressure on Russia to be. So um, as, I, as I kind of read the tea leaves still here, there is still not enough crews, not enough tanks, not enough to be successful in a combined arms operation from the Ukraine military to declare any kind of offensive right now. I was just going to ask to that uh, question, the Russians have had a lot of time to build up their defenses, Crimea, Mariupol, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the east. Uh, I was going to ask, do the Ukrainians have what it takes or are they going to get what it takes to dislodge such an entrenched enemy? Well, so that's why it's these other Western allied tanks, the Leopard 2 and the M1 tank, will be difference makers if they get to the battlefield and, and when they do get there. And a lot of it has to do with because of their shock effect, because of their ability to close with and destroy the enemy. They do all the things that um, Western Army tanks do and provide a level of lethality on the battlefield that can't match. Um, But they still have to fight combined. They still have to fight with artillery and air support and all the things that go with it. Um, Right now, if you look at what what the tank that the Ukrainians want the most, it's the Leopard 2, and that's because of its mobility. It it is a little bit lighter than the tank that... If you look at the challenge that, that both sides are having is is move maneuver, and that's because of the obstacles that exist, the natural obstacles on the ground in Ukraine. You know, Russia has challenges negotiating simple bridges and simple river crossings, uh, as we've seen. Um, and also the Dnepro River provides a very significant border. So either side that goes on the offense is going to have to conduct a very large-scale river crossing of tens of thousands of troops there where they'll be under fire from indirect artillery and the like. So there's a a significant military um, challenge in order for either side to to claim successfulness when it comes to this offense. But the Ukrainians want that leopard too, because that'll at least give them a shot to do something like that when the time comes. There were some reports the other day of Russian soldiers battling the Wagner group, which is, you know, that separate militia group run by... By the way, have you seen the video? I actually haven't watched it. I've just read about it. The guy runs the Wagner Group, killing that guy with a sledgehammer. I mean, what is with that culture? Exactly. And we've been talking about this. And it's a culture that, for whatever reason, it's deemed acceptable. And I don't. it's hard to explain. There's no military in the world on the Western side of the NATO countries would 
that would be acceptable on any level. Um, you know, we try to create these rules around warfare. Maybe we're the crazy ones. Maybe we should not be fo- so focused on that. But um, that's mm. our culture, and that's what we're going to continue to do. So. I mean, because it, I mean, it's it's one thing to have your soldiers go rogue. You know, on an island in World War II or in the jungles of Vietnam when they're under yeah. all this pressure and they've seen all these horrible things. It's different to have the guy in charge killing somebody with a sledgehammer. Yeah, and, and um, you know, this, he out, operates outside the boundaries according to Russia because Russia has no claim to them. Um, but Wagner's tentacles are everywhere. You see them in Sudan. They're, they're in, um, in Africa. You know, they're, they're kind of this you know, kind of private army that works for Vladimir Putin. Now, they're being um, degraded as well. They have significant challenges. They're not winning on the ground where they need to be. They're not proving to be these um, elite soldiers that um, other armies have. You know, we have elite, elite soldiers and elite units that uh, take care of special missions. But that's what's supposed to be the Wagner group for um, Vladimir Putin. But they've just turned out to be, you know, really a bunch of thugs. Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, uh, how about a little fill-in-the-blank? Um, answer this any way you want, or fill-in-the-blank mm-hmm. however you want. Um, in order to prevail and retake their territory, the Ukrainians need? Ukrainians need 400 main battle tanks. They need um, hundreds of fighter aircraft. They need uh, 300, 400 infantry fighting vehicles. They need to have the equipment to go on the offense. And, and right now we just continue to provide them the material to defend themselves and to keep them from losing. Um, but similar to any military operation you look in history, um, go back to Desert Storm, for example. Desert Storm first started out as a desert shield. It started out as a defense. But um, they recognized that uh, nothing was going to change. It wasn't going to tip the balance of favor in the side of, of the Kuwaitis and the Saudis. Um, in, in fall of, of 1990, and what they do is they send 7th Corps uh, offensive capability in order to tip the balance, turn Desert Shield into Desert Storm, and you know the rest is history. Well, it's the same thing here. We've given them enough to defend themselves. We've given them enough to keep them from losing um, and creating a stalemate. But if they want to do what you just said, they need offensive firepower, offensive weapons. Um, I'm not sure they can get it fast enough, and if they got it fast enough, I'm not sure that they would know what to do with it. Because it comes with crews, it needs mechanics, it needs spare parts, it needs fuel, it needs a whole bunch of other things that, that frankly, Ukraine just doesn't have that capability of. Different topic before we let you go. That rescue of diplomats out of Sudan looked incredibly impressive to me mm-hmm. as a layman. Sure. Was as impressive as it looked? 800 miles, 100 feet off the ground in the dark? Yeah, I know for sure. Um, just Those are the kind of things that just restore my faith. And he's gone. Oops, fading in and out. Well, let's oh. go, Mike. We've lost our uh, connection for some reason, but we'll take the uh, restores your faith to see the yeah. military be able to operate like that. I mean, that was a complicated operation, and we pulled it off completely flawlessly. Yeah, many, many thanks to Mike Lyons. Absolutely terrific, as always. Um, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, though, back in uh, Ukraine, hundreds of fighter planes was one of the things Mike threw in is a prescription for Ukraine. That's not going to happen. Not with Joe Biden in charge, and I don't know if you think it's a good idea or not, but Joe Biden is the one person that voted against going after bin Laden. He's a a tepid guy. What about President Kamala Harris? And does she... I don't know why you're saying that. Almost knocked me down physically.
It's really cool. like jumping out from behind something and screaming at somebody. That was to, like to, that was like yeah. dumping a cold bucket of water on my head. It just it was, was a jump scare. Yeah, it was a, a jump shock. Scare. But will she come to terms with the moment in time in which this moment in time is in for us time. at every moment in time and certainly this one to see the moment in time in time right. in which we exist like you said <laughs> yeah yeah good stuff oh that hurt oh, don't boy. ever say that again or at least there's a possibility not without a warning you need to come to terms with the fact that that's a possibility i need a trigger warning before you ever say p k h ever again <laughs> uh, more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So today we start our 25th year of doing this show. My gratefulness surpassed only by my surprise. My surprise at its longevity. How in the world did we last so long? Let's be honest, virtually anyone could do what I do, which is to basically say three things. You did what? Come on out. We'll be right back. (laughs) Gerald Norman Springer, dead at the age of 79. Jerry Springer. We, we, you know, I wish we could uh, get a clip of when, you know, he's got midgets fighting. It was the term of the day. Uh, uh, or whatever else, or bringing out baby daddies, or just all kinds of craziness. Jerry Springer gets credit for inventing that kind of show, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, if he didn't, he might as well have. Yeah, lots of people, for some reason, tearing off their shirts and attempting to fight before the security guards separate them. And I was just thinking about, is that kind of where it's... Well, man, there, there's so many things I point to, and they are all they are all headed flowing the same direction of the river of the decay of our culture and more snarkiness and less seriousness and everything like that. I don't blame people like David Letterman, who I've uh, said played a big role in that, or Jerry Springer, anybody like that. Mm-hmm. They just they're just catching the wave of where we were headed, and uh, and you know being the voice of it. But Jerry Springer came on the air in 1991. He was uh, one of the main consultants. To Bobby Kennedy during his presidential run, for instance, Jerry Springer. He has a law degree from Northwestern University. Um, He was a politician. He was the mayor of Cincinnati. He ran for Congress. He ran for governor. Then he started a broadcast career, and he got his show, The Jerry Springer Show, in 1991. That started as a political show, where he'd have guests on and talk about the issues of the day. Nobody heard of him. Nobody didn't get any ratings. I don't know how it leapt from that to midget fighting, but it was imagine it was a process. It probably didn't happen overnight. But um, <laughs> but like, like right. Joe said, next thing you know, you got some angry chick from a trailer park who's sleeping with that woman's man, and they... You know, they tear off their shirts and fight each other and roll around on the stage. Go to pulling each other's hair. <laughs> and Jerry Springer says, we'll be right back, like he just said. And that was very popular. for And and that was the zeitgeist of the time through the 90s as we got coarser and coarser and sillery and sillery and, and more like idiocracy <laughs> on a day-by-day basis to where yeah. we are now. Yeah. Again, I don't blame him. I just think he caught the wave that was there. You know, it's it's funny. One of my favorite uh, conundrums, conundra, I guess it'd be conundra, is um, the fact that people have been saying 
this civilization is going to hell since the dawn of man. And so it's easy to dismiss that. Absolutely. On the other hand, there have been a number of civilizations that have gone to hell. Well, all of them. <laughs> yes, all of them. So it's uh, it's easily dismissed, yet uh, at some point you look around and realize, oh, our civilization crumbled. It's not here anymore. So Jerry Springer goes on the air in 91 as a political show, goes nowhere in 1994. He and his producer revamped the show's format to try to get higher ratings. I'd say they revamped it. The show became more uh, successful as it became targeted toward tabloidish sensationalism. Guests were everyday people confronted on a television stage by a spouse or family members' adultery, homosexuality, prostitution, transvestitism, hate group membership, and other controversial situations. These confrontations were often promoted by scripted shouting or violence on stage. Boy, that is a very dry but accurate account of what (laughs) They did, yes. The show received substantial ratings and much attention. By 1998, it was beating the Oprah Winfrey show in most major cities, reaching more than 6.7 million viewers. Which is twice as many, or maybe more than twice as many, as Tucker Carlson got on a nightly basis. Of course, daytime syndicated TV is the biggest thing in show business. Yeah. Nobody ever talks about it. Nobody realizes it unless they come across a top entertainers and see Judge Judy at the top of the list. That is the biggest, richest field of play in show business. Right. Yeah, that is funny. You could have Mr. Beast from YouTube and some judge from a daytime talk show. They're by far bigger stars than people, the stars that people talk about on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Late night TV. Hilarious. Movies. Please don't waste my time. It's YouTube slash TikTok and daytime TV. I would guess that Jerry Springer did interviews at some point about this. Maybe I'll try to dig him up and read him somewhere because I would like to have known because, you know, if he's a political consultant to Bobby Kennedy, he was at one point a very idealistic person. Sure. About the future of America. He went from that to, you know what? I'm going to bring out the chick who cheated on her husband and fight her. Have her fight the other trailer park gal um, and roll around on the stage, and I'm going to make a lot of money. I would just love to know, you know, what he thought about that transition or if he was just accepting, hey, this is the America we live in. I might as well. I I don't know. I don't know what his view was. It's, It's similar to what a lot of our politicians have. I have a vague memory of him addressing that very question, but I can't remember exactly what he said, but. Yeah, that's why I, uh, as I get more and more cynical, uh, I'm trying not to become like completely cynical and a nihilist because then you can, you can justify doing anything, yeah, or saying anything, or profiting by any means. Very true. Yeah, if you start to go with, uh, well, uh, you know, the culture's not going to be any better if I don't do this. Um, might as well make my money now. Yeah, I, I, I would rather lay on my deathbed thinking that I was at least partially on the conserving the past side of things yeah oh 100 percent. yeah although you know i know i i could name a couple of people right now who feel like uh we have contributed to the degradation of talk radio with some of our uh language you and I? language what? and jokes yes good lord that is a false and scurrilous accusation and i'd like to punch you right in your oh sorry Sorry. No, I yeah, I get that. I and get are that. you the father of this baby? Let's bring her out. Here she comes. Then you take off your shirt and fight her real baby daddy. And... Well, because of course I do. <laughs> and then Jerry Springer says, and we'll be right back. So I was just contemplating if we could 
guarantee near instantaneous wealth and success of this show on a level we've never dreamed of. Rush Limbaugh-ian success. And we do fine. Trust me. It's fine. Uh, but to achieve that level of generational wealth and power, if we could get that by signing a deal with, with uh, perhaps old Scratch himself... <laughs> And all we had to do was constantly hammer, but I couldn't come up with the right example. I mean, like this, the stolen election thing, Dominion voting systems, that's kind of tired at this well, point. Well, just, just go like with, with Jerry Springer. So if we could get that by having uh, trailer park women fighting baby daddies, um, is the question, would you want to do that? Is that what you're I'm, asking yourself? I'm not. No, well, I was trying to come up with a real world, world example for us, a temptation that we might not be able to resist. But uh, would I be Jerry Springer for Jerry Springer's money? I think so. I but, don't think I would enjoy the work very much, but uh, it's all right. By the way, I feel guilty about using a term as a guy who has uh, lived in several trailer parks and enjoyed my time there very much. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Now, that wasn't that nice. See, we're contributing to the uplifting of talk radio there you're very manfully apologized and i and i may again live in a trailer park you you don't know i'm guessing probably but you would do that huh for (laughs) for 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 the money and everything like you think you know what why not set up my family for the several generations yeah some people i love very much will need support so yes wow interesting armstrong and getty infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.